Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Sean, how are you feeling? Feeling good and happy to have a guest on today. A special guest, actually. It's a friend of a friend, somebody I met recently, and we were just blown away by her business. So we like we had to get her on the show. Okay, Sean is blown away. So I'm I'm we're ready to get into this. Blown thing. away sounds like a, <laughs> <laughs> that is a tall order to to face. But okay, I'm, I'm trying to live up to the heights. So yeah, Sean. After that, might as well continue with the introduction. <laughs> let let the, let our audience know who we have on the show today. <laughs> Yeah, all right, so today we have Jessica Spaulding, the creator and owner of Harlem Chocolate Factory. And I'm sure I am like not even like describing all the things she does on a daily basis by calling her creator and owner. So I will let her take over from here. Tell us what else you do. Uh, woo, um, well, I am the chief everything officer over at Harlem Chocolate Factory. Actually, no, let me let me um, let me edit that because I'm not. We've grown our team a bit. And so I don't have to do everything. I'm trying to realign my brain to that. Um, I am the founder of Harlem Chocolate Factory. Um, and, you know, we started Harlem Chocolate Factory back in, what, 2014, 2015. And it's been a wild ride since then. But on a daily basis, you can find me hunched over my laptop or in the kitchen. <laughs> and, uh, just trying to figure out how to scale this business. That's that's the that's my daily that's my daily uh ride. Great, understood. Well, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into the wild ride that you've had so far, <laughs> and and get into all that good stuff for the, for the, for our audience today. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So, Sean, where where would where would you like to begin? Where should we begin? Just the background and how you got started. Uh, yeah, just because you started. know. Mm-hmm. A brick and mortar business, uh, um, a niche like you know, uh, specialty food. Yeah, tell us how you jumped into that world. Yeah, so uh, well, I, I don't say I jumped in. I think I was uh, was thrown in, um, and I I started to I started Harlem Chocolate Factory as a part of a business plan competition. I've been working with chocolate since I was a little girl. Uh, it was my way of trying to get around my mother's like, you can't have no sugar rules. And um, I basically just was like, all right, well, I want to do this for my career, right? Like, I don't know why how I came up with that. It's more, I think that's like the Food Network was starting to show the, the, the pastry competitions. And I was just really interested in always cooking and, and, and playing with food. And I just figured she allowed me to eat whatever I made. So that was the way around it. Um, mm. And I started, I tried to start a chocolate business when I was in college. Um, we had a very much a grant opening, grant closing um, <laughs> kind of ring to it. It's just, I, I don't think I had like any much business acumen beyond like, I had this idea that I was gonna sample everything I made and then that was going to make people order, mm. which is a horrible business model <laughs> if you <laughs> if you ever need any kind of like case study in it, uh, because I basically trained everyone to not pay for my stuff. Mm. And um, 
with that, it made it uh, a scenario where I just basically was putting money out with nothing coming in. And I mean, for my little college budget, which was nothing, uh, we had to give up pretty soon. But I had this opportunity and by have this opportunity, more like I lost my job and I <laughs> had nothing to do. <laughs> to, to join this business plan competition uh, for the New York Public Library. And at that time, I, I think it was after college, I was working for a lot of like small businesses. So I was seeing small business owners work on businesses and it just made it, uh, I think a little bit more real or, or attainable. And I don't know why I had such like a compartmentalization. Like I could work on people's businesses, but not necessarily be a business owner myself mm. um, until I mean, I genuinely had no choice. And I was afraid at that time because I was like, listen, I, I got kids now. I got real bills. I can't be just, you know, doing this little business for play play. So I was like, all right, you know, when I'm on this little fun employment, which was not um i could do this business plan competition and i'm like if it has legs it has legs and we'll you know make a business out of it and if it doesn't i'll find out you know going through the course of the business planning and and all that and it was like it wasn't like one of those like come here and pitch kind of competitions it was like a six months like you got to go to different seminars and you know, if you really, and you have to have like submit something that says that you met with like a business plan, business mentor mm. once a week, or like, you know, like you have to have a certain amount of hours that you spent with a mentor. So I was like, this is a really, really, really thorough kind of like pitch. So the people gonna really know the heart of the business. Mm. So if it sucks, they gonna tell me if it sucks. And if it sucks, it's gonna, like we not gonna win nothing. And I was absolutely convinced that we wasn't gonna win nothing. I almost cursed out one of the guys during the damn um, pitch presentation because he was just pissing me off. Uh, <laughs> one of the people evaluating you, or one of the yeah, one of the evaluators. It was like a real like basically you submitted your business plan, and then you had if it, if it was good enough, it moved on to the pitching, and the pitching was like of those like. 600 people who like I think like something like a thousand plus went through the program 600 people actually had uh, business plans at the end of it then from those 600 they dwindle it down to like 10 and so if you had 10 minutes to present and then 10 minutes to answer questions and this MFR, I'm trying to work on cursing. My kids asked me to stop cursing. But this MFR said he spent five of my 10 minutes um, basically just questioning me on whether or not I felt like I, like, how did I find the audacity to think I could work with chocolate as a black woman? Oh. It, it, it was the it was the wildest thing I had ever um, heard a white person say to me to like to my face while I was standing there so it was a lot of like it was a very triggering moment because I'm looking around like you know I could hear him saying what he's saying to me mm -hmm. and did he mean it in kind of like an uplifting way like like how did no, you get no no oh, you trying to spin that show like, <laughs> I'm just a lot yeah, of no. confused that's more than yeah, anything it was yeah. very much and it wasn't like it wasn't like this direct black woman but it's like how can a person like you feel like they can go into these businesses when it's people like 
and then he started to list like white people who own businesses. So it was very much like, why yo black ass think you could do this? Like, because mm. he's like, well, you know, when I think of chocolate, I'm thinking of Max Brenner and Lynch and Jacques Torres, and and he was just listening all these white men. And then he's like, and it's something like Harlem. And he's just spent five minutes and I only had 10 minutes to even present or like clarify things in my pitch or clarify things that, you know, that I wanted to make like a, a more well-rounded point for why this business should be. Um, and he spent my time just questioning me over and over again on like why. And I was just like, at the end of it, I'm like, listen, Mr. You want to know why I feel like I could do this? Mm. Because I said grab one sample and I can't even hear you. You done ate like five. Like you ate, you're eating mad chocolate. So I feel like I'm going to be pretty good because I said one. And I was like, damn, you're not supposed to talk to the judges like that. But um, I'm like, listen, he got one more time to ask me one more question about why I believe in myself and I'm going to walk out the room. And, and they just, they start clapping and whatever, because I'm just like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for, well, why do you think that your margins are going to be 90%, which was like wildly unrealistic, but like, that's something I wanted to clarify because I'm like, no, I didn't mean that, you know, like that's what I felt like I should have been answering. Like, why did you, how do you know that you'll be able to scale to this many stores? How do you, but just like, why you feel like you could do it is a stupid ass question. And so um, that right there was just like how it went for the rest of the business. And that was like the beginning. And we wound up winning that business plan competition for $15,000 to start Harlem Chocolate Factory. And I was like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess we got some. Wow, that's yes. crazy because I feel like, and then you tell me if you agree, but I feel like we usually run into like two different kinds of entrepreneurs. It's the people who are almost like serial entrepreneurs. They're always like looking for the next business, always doing things. And then we have the people who like ran with a passion and just called them. So it sounds like you're in that group um, a little bit. I think I'm in both because like, so outside of that, I am like in my family, I'm kind of known as like Ralph Cramden, but it's always been for hobbies. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to stop. I don't want to interrupt you, but we got to, I know who Ralph Cramden is. We might need a little Oh, that was mad old. Like I'm mad old. Not mad old. Nah, I don't want to put you, I'm not trying to put you out there like that. I just. No, 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 it's all good. No, I'm elderly. Like I watch Matlock. No. Listen, Honeymooners, I know the Honeymooners. I know the, the honeymooners. honeymooners. That's why I knew who it Ralph was. But Brandon is the husband, <laughs> and he always had some like ski, like some get rich quick scheme. And when I was young, like I mean, I used to like take pine cones and spray paint them and sell them as ornaments. Mm. Pier one, I want my bag because I was doing it first. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I, I, I've done so many like at school selling snacks, mm -hmm. uh, selling. I think I used to sell body wash in college. Mm -hmm. I used to body wash and soap. I would get like the the bulk packs of like um, with, with shea moisture and like Nubian Heritage had just opened. I used to sell like lotions and and the soaps and everything in the dorm. Mm -hmm. So I used to do stuff like that, but I never viewed that as entrepreneurship. Like for right. me, my mentality and the way that I like I understood it, like that's just having a hustle. Like it's just some extra money coming in. I could never 
but I, I don't think I had any understanding of like entrepreneurship, like this, this thing that you're doing could be in its entire business and its entire ecosystem could support you. Mm-hmm. The hustle was more like, all right, I'm going to have like 16 different jobs that I'm doing and I have the freedom to like make my own schedule and nobody really understands it, but I always got money. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like... Legally, no. That's at, we at didn't. We, no, no. We we're clear. It's all on the up and up. We're good. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, Sean. Oh, uh, to your other point, yeah. Um, in an oversimplified way, it's like I'm 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 amused because it's like, well, you got into it to to kind of be rebellious, rebellion, rebellion, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rebelling mm-hmm. against the parents, and to order, yeah. also satisfy your sweet tooth, but then also yeah. going through competitions and sticking through it you know and pitching and trying to get funding uh for this business that you have now that's that's a journey basics. yeah mm. that's the basics of it that's basic that's yeah that's our story okay i yeah. mean mo- most of my life is a like a rebellion against anything mm-hmm. um you know my first the first version of Harlem chocolate factory was a rebellion like would you mean i got to be a teacher or a lawyer i'm about to start this chocolate company right. and i think i took that when it when it failed, mm-hmm. that loss hit me on such a different level because it was me finally acknowledging that I could have one thing that I'm doing be supporting me and I could build it up. And, you know, this is the beginning mm-hmm. of Shark Tank and right. the beginning of the business shows online. Right. Um, and I failed. Mm-hmm. So it was like that. Yeah, maybe you could have your little side hustle, make some money here and there, sell some things extra. But that entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you don't know it, and you and you suck. And um, I took that L pretty hard. Um, so can so. you speak more to that? For well, actually, I have two questions yeah. if you don't mind. But yeah. before we get to the L, uh, like you know, a lot of times we have people on the show and they 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 self funded or bootstrapped. Of the business, mm-hmm. so you know, in your case, you went, you was pitching. What you know, was there a reason why you went that route? I mean, was it just because uh, of the money? Oh, hell. fair enough. I was poor, poor, fair enough. Poor, poor, poor. <laughs> 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 I like during one of my uh, like I was, I took some business classes with New York City, like mm-hmm. some free business classes, mm-hmm. um, and like during one of the homeworks for the business class, it was like. You know, if you truly believe in your business, buy your domain, like mm-hmm. go home tonight mm-hmm. and buy your domain for mm-hmm. homework. And so I'm like, all right, I believe in it somewhat. But the, even after all the Google Daddy, you know, they be trying to pl- play like the coupons going to bring it like, oh, only 99 cents. But those taxes and fees be hitting different. And mm-hmm. it was like twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, all right. I'm going to buy it, but I only got $14. Like, mm-hmm. I literally had $14 in my account, and the domain was 12 And I just figured, like, I can't get much broker. Mm-hmm. My unemployment comes in on Friday. So it's Wednesday. $2 till Friday. And listen, you're just going to be walking. There ain't going to be no train taken. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to walk. Keep it real local. Um, we eat and what's in the house, uh, and mm-hmm. just work it out. 
and I brought the domain and I was absolutely terrified and I wound up uh, getting like a, a, a ding to the contact form that I put up two weeks later and somebody wanted to buy $250 worth of chocolate. Nice. That was the moment that I was like, oh yeah, nah, I think, I think we got something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Right. But I started poor. Make, understood. <laughs> Makes sense. Just ask it, you know, because even some of the more, you know, some of our um, guests who are, you know, poor and come from humble beginnings and, and, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I tried, I got money from family or friends and, or went that route instead of the competition route. Well, That's even a, before the competition, mm-hmm. because I, I was, I was like, like, just, you know, trying to express the humbleness of the means. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the bread to do the samples for the pitch competition. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, if I go in there with these papers, I'm not going to win. Mm-hmm. I need samples, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, I need samples. So I'm just like, okay, how do I get the money to make these samples? Like, mm-hmm. I, I figured it was going to cost me at least at least $400 to just buy all the ingredients I needed to make the samples and, um, and, and to do like test batches, you know, and, and get it all out. Mm -hmm. Um, the packaging and and all of that, just to at least like make some type of concerted effort to show people like, yo, there's a little bit more to this than what I'm saying. And, um, I, I, through the business plan competition, you were meeting with mentors. And so my, my mentor for the small business services linked me with this like micro loan program, because I started seeing, I'm like, if I don't win the business plan competition, I feel like I could still start Harlem chocolate factory and do something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to just wait to see whether or not I win this, this woman from nowhere wants this $250 worth of, and I needed that 250. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, so I could be selling to people, you know, like already without waiting to, you know, on a hope and a prayer that I might win this competition. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually like applied for a micro loan before I won the business plan competition. And I figured whatever amount of money they gave me, cause I, I ain't have no income. Um, I mean, I was working, I did like freelance stuff. I always worked in like graphic design and like, so I would just be making people logos, like fixing up their resume, Mm -hmm. whatever you needed. I did really. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had some invoices that I used to, um, I'm not, you know, advocating for people to fudge it, but I'm like, yo, just look like, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. these my invoices, you know, this is like coming in on a daily, weekly basis, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which but my plan was to take whatever I got from my micro loan, cut it in half, put it in one account, and just put it on auto pay, mm-hmm. and uh, and take the other half, and that would be the money that I would spend on Harlem Chocolate Factory. And so I, I they wound up giving me like thirty three hundred dollars in a micro loan. So straight off the back, I took like I put sixteen hundred in a in an account, put it on auto pay to pay off the loan, and then the other like I spent like thirteen fifty because you know closing fees, whatever. Um, I I put a portion aside to like pay for you know the the different 
things I needed. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. set up my, my website a little bit more. I got all the packaging for the pitch competition, some samples, business cards, you know, those little things. And I still had some money left over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how I feel like that money is what let me win the business plan competition. Got it. And, um, cause without those samples, mm-hmm. it's like, I could talk to you about the chocolate, but if you can't eat it, um, yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah, so that's yeah, that makes sense. So can we ask about the actual chocolate itself? Like yeah, go right ahead. Like what does one need to know, right? Because obviously, you know, I'm sure that I just eat chocolate. I don't, I don't know nothing about it. I don't know about the grade. Don't I don't know how to make it. Don't know the recipe. Know, just put some in front of me, and I'm a, you know, I'll tear it up. So you know, can you speak to that? Just like the education and knowledge you had to go through to. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a massive amount of education because I was transitioning from this like kind of home hobby esque um, background to having to do this uh, professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thought process always is the education. There's somebody, and you just got to pay for it, right? Like you mm-hmm. got to pay for it. You got to hustle it. You got to, you know, and. Um, so I wound up like getting jobs. Like I was already on unemployment. I was looking for work actively, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? Let me go see if certain chocolate companies are like hiring. Mm. So I went out and I started like looking to work at different chocolate companies, applied to a whole bunch, and I got a job at one. And I worked there for, I want to say like two weeks. And in that two weeks, I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> like, because I, I already had, like, I've been doing, like, I've been working with these recipes since I was a little kid. And it's like, chocolate is a very fickle um, ingredient, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's liquid with no water, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a non-Newtonian fluid, which goes into, like, I'm a dork also at heart. Um, so well, like, you just put that word up. I don't know what not that word you just said non because it's like it's 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 hard mm-hmm. at room temperature and then fluid at okay. a different temperature okay. and there's no there you know for this it's just not there's no water in it. Okay, and you called um, it what non new non new non Newtonian. Okay, I'm gonna have um, to use that. <laughs> and so like it it allows you you really when you understand the science behind it you can make what whatever you want Mm -hmm. and um so that's just research the business plan competition i was doing was at the public library Mm -hmm. so i'm just at the library reading every single book on professional chocolatiering Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. every single book every single thing that is to read some skills I had already developed throughout life with like working on things and just working in the kitchen. Um, I already had some production experience from trying to start that chocolate company in college, which I, where I did the same thing. I went to the library, learned, read, you know, you, like before there was a YouTube, there were these book things that you had to go and read <laughs> if you wanted to learn stuff. And I'm a dork. Like I'll read a book in a second and mm-hmm. just like really um, engross myself in, in trying to figure out how to like how to do things. Um, and so I just started to develop 
recipes throughout the entire time. Like, okay, if this is a base recipe and you start understanding like, okay, you need this much liquid and understand how you have to have like a certain, like just how the molecules literally have to balance for Mm -hmm. you to get a certain level of smoothness, a certain level, level of like crunchiness and crispiness. Like there's things that you have to do. And I started to develop those recipes, but just from different flavor profiles, like, yo, let me do this, but using the palettes of what I feel like are more available in our community. Mm. So instead of like creme brulee and that that custard palette, like we're going to switch that over to banana pudding. Mm-hmm. And so all I'm doing is taking these really, really, really ancient rest. Like there's not, there's very few ways to reinvent the wheel around making a custard. Once you start understanding how to make that base like sauce or that base item, you can do anything with it. Um, and that's just how we developed everything. And the point was to uh, just tell the stories, like tell these stories of Harlem that are really entrenched in our African-American experience with chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we tell the stories of Harlem? How do we in- incorporate them into the recipe, into the chocolate and, and to our packaging and our customer experience and, and everything? Nice, very. I don't know if that answers your no, question. No, I mean it's, it's like, a lot. You know what I'm you, I can say you some recipes. You came out the. You, like, <laughs> you came no, out. We learned the word. That's an answer. That was that's the word. Answer. That that word right there had my whole. You know, like what did you just say? No, that's that's great. <laughs> I'm I'm. I think I'm even. Uh, you know, just more uh, amazed or surprised that you know you were doing it for so long uh, on your own, and then to get the job at the chocolate company uh for and after two weeks you were like oh I, i've been doing this i'm, I'm good I, I think i'm i have it figured out to go on my yeah own. yeah you know but that's like that's like with anything you want to do right mm-hmm. like when you go and you start like you, you like if you have the motivation to want to do something uh-huh. once you start doing it you start realizing like oh i was psyching myself out the whole time mm-hmm. like i got this um i i also absolutely believe in learning on as many other people's dimes as possible mm-hmm. and not in a treacherous way mm-hmm. like my i very much believe in karma i know the effects of it if i, I like if i steal a pen the the bump of my car will fall off like i have a very instant like i live a very instant karma life mm-hmm. um, so it's not like from a treacherous place, like, oh, I'm going here to steal what they're doing. But like, mm-hmm. I'm coming here to work as hard as I can to hopefully apply this to, um, you know, what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm focused on what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And I will apply that other places. I will say that I learned more about how to run a chocolate company working for the Department of Homeless Services than I did at the chocolate company. Um, because about structure, about sales, about marketing, um, I, like I was, I was unemployed that entire time when I was like trying to do the startup phase of Harlem Chocolate Factory, even though Harlem Chocolate Factory is still startup. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I wound up like, I wound up getting a job two weeks before the business plan competition, like announced the winners. Mm -hmm. So I had told them, I was like, yo, I have a pre-planned, like, um, doctor's appointment that I got to go to. 
<laughs> like <laughs> on my hiring day, like my sign on day was like August 31st. And the, and the thing was like on September 15th. And I was like, y'all got a doctor's appointment and I just got to be there on that day. And so when I won and it was like in the paper, I was like, holy shit. Like mm-hmm. of all the things that would happen on my two weeks at this new job, um, so my first like two years of Harlem Chocolate Factory, I worked and did Harlem Chocolate Factory, which was insane. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is you just it's a lot of lot to take in right now. Um, Sean, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I told you I live a nuts life. Yeah. I wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, you were not. You were not. Sean, you was going to say something. Yeah, I want to ask you about another side of the business because, okay. all right, so you kind of told us the chocolate side of it, but, you know, you got a brick-and-mortar store. So, like, there's a little real estate involved mm-hmm. in that, too, right? So how did you, like, select your location? What all went into that? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, God selected the location. Um, <laughs> I have I've done nothing. So, all right. So we're going to fast-forward to two years. I'm, I've been, I'm working at Department of Homeless Services. I'm working on Harlem Chocolate Factory after I get off work, sometimes at lunch and even when I'm done for the day. Um, it's growing, right? Like we're getting, we went to the fancy food show. We got the best bite of uh, accolade by the Daily News. So it's like 3,000 companies, hundreds of thousands of products across all these companies. And we were in the top 10 of items that year. Uh, of course, and, and this is on several different things, but we was like in the damn news after that. And then the press starts like, oh, on, Chocolate Factory. Like, oh my God. So I'm sitting here like, what the hell are we about to do? Because this little, I get off of work, come home, feed my kids take my little cart, walk through the project and go to the little incubator kitchen and work at that little table and and maybe make a hundred bars and come home and like wrap them is not going to work. Like Mm -hmm. that is the volume is a little crazy. And from that fancy food show, we get an order by uh, a, a top retailer at the time. Um, it's a six figure order. I'm like, all right, this can't be done. But this can't, like, we gotta, we gotta find a space. So um, for six months, almost a year, I'm working with the uh, New York City Economic Development Corporation on, you know, like they have these spaces mm-hmm. that they will allow you to rent. It's it's at a lower price. It's you know, they just own, they, the city owns spaces and they have this public private partnership company that is supposed to allow, you know, businesses and, you know, just whatever in the city's best interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working with them for a year. My order's due in March. Uh, I order all of my equipment. I get the funding to build out the space that they were saying that they were going to give me. Um, I'm like working on all these things, doing, going through, jumping through all the hoops. They wanted me to let people know that I was a black woman because they said it wasn't apparent from our website. They wanted me to put up pictures of my black family so that, um, 
in, mm. in the story of our business. <laughs> right. No, you got to so sell that, the story. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure that people didn't think someone from outside the community mm-hmm. was, um, you know, usurping the name and like trying to play a game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got all of that covered and I'm doing everything. There were a lot of questions around whether or not Harlem needed uh, a chocolate factory and whether or not, you know, the area I was trying to open in, although I was opening mainly for production space. um, And this was like in East Harlem, uh, you know, that whether or not they would even support it, whatever. I'm like, with us doing these outside orders, we're not reliant on the community to, like support us until they you know understand our name mm-hmm. i'm always take care of my community but at the end of the day i i need this space to produce this order like, right so that's fascinating because wow sorry if it's assumed that it was based off like you know foot traffic and things like that were kind of your deciding factors but it's it, it's enlightening no, to know no, that it, it was a big order oh it was all it was a it was a huge order and so um the week before uh, uh, my equipment was supposed to come in and uh, they, they, they told me that they weren't going to give me the space. Um, they didn't think, they didn't think Harlem was a good start for Harlem chocolate factory and that they would build out a space for me in Chelsea market. Or they well first they tried to blame it on a like a political woman and said that she said that I couldn't have the space and it was like all this finger pointing and I was like caught in the mess of a mess and at the end of the day they just felt like a it, Harlem Chocolate Factory would be better suited at Ch- at, at Chelsea Market and um, that's going to be one of those bridges that I burned to the ground because I cursed out everybody. Because how dare you? How dare you tell me that my community is not a, a good starting place for my business? Um, I've built my bu- business model to help people transition into understanding how expensive, because there is a genuine expense change, and it is a it is a shocker. And any um, any line of 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 item like this, which chocolate and premium chocolate, is going to be a shock. So it's going to be very hard for any businesses that want to angle themselves in because there's so much consumer education and it's very hard to educate and sell at the same time. But we built our model to not rely on the people walking through the door Mm -hmm. because we know it's going to cost us more than y'all going to come in with. And so by doing these corporate gifts and doing these bigger orders outside, we'd be able to spend time in our community and really educate them and share with them and, you know, and tear our pricing into a space that people could feel comfortable and assure them of the quality that we're giving them. Like our, like there's always this idea like, oh, black businesses are are trying to take advantage of black people. Like black people come in, like we want to support y'all, but you always charging too much. And it's, and that's an overcoming for a black business. And it's just, Mm-hmm. It's an education factor of the black consumer, like and and understanding that you know the the amount of money that that people assume a product costs 
for a smaller business, it don't cost that. Right. <laughs> so if, if I open my business over here, we might be selling the same orange juice, but I'm buying it smaller because I don't have the capital. I don't have the inventory. I don't have the buying power. The orange juice automatically going to cost more at my store than the store over there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was very understanding of the consumer side of it. And when they took that space from me, I was stuck because I never, that was like a blind side that I never saw coming because they smiled in my face all the time. And it, and it took a second because it's like, all right, I really need to make this order happen. But if I open Harlem Chocolate Factory in Chelsea Market and turn my nose up at my people, I'll never recover from that. Um, and our brand will never recover from that, right? Like that we we chose the easier route um, to open up in an, in an area and an environment. Like for Harlem Chocolate Factory's first foot on the ground to be in a whole different area of the city at the price points that we need to charge, it would be a slap in the face to our community. And so, um, I told them in a very nice, polite way, not at all, uh, to, they could do things with their moms and, um, never, (laughs) and never talk to me again, because you played a dirt, you played a dirty game and, uh, your intention was to never give me the space. And I realized that entire time you were trying to groom us into, into not opening in Harlem. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but that also left me with $30,000 worth of equipment coming in a week and a half and needing a space to give it to. And that's when the power of, uh, a black mother comes in because throughout the whole time, it never, it never sat right with my mom that these people were so entrenched in the business about giving me the space and it's the space that I was originally going to get was like 150 square feet. It was tiny. And to spend eight months plus trying to quiz me and coach me through whether or not they were going to give me the space and asking me questions about how black I was and all of this, she was just like, she didn't trust it. So the entire time I was working with the EDC, my mother was, going to different real estate agents in Harlem and looking for space for me. Mm. And so the day that it fell through, I was actually like, I was already in Harlem, like with real estate agents, like looking at different spaces and they just trying to beat me in the head and give me all these different, like horrible spaces. And she had a real estate agent who she had given our chocolate to who held a space from being shown on the market. And the, when we walked in, we literally was like, oh, this is perfect for us. The kitchen is bigger than the retail, so we don't have to focus on that. But that's how we got into brick and mortar. It was never the goal, but it's su- it's been such a blessing because now that I understand the industry even more, increasing brand awareness for us is the only way that we're going to be able to scale to the level we need to. And so having that retail component, 
allowed us to have these front-facing consumer and customer interactions that we wouldn't have had if we just had something off to the beat, off to the side where, you know, people could never come in and people could never Instagram and people could never send a picture or a video to their mother or to their job or, you know, or bring their boss by. We would have never been able to do that, you know, following my plan. And so um, it all wound up working out, but the goal was never to have brick and mortar because I didn't want to deal with it, but um, it wound up being the biggest blessing. Wow, the samples came through again. They came through in the pitch competition <laughs> and then with the real estate agent. Like. Yo, that's serious. <laughs> like, being able to uh, sway people with chocolate it has been the biggest blessing of this entire business. Nice. Very like, nice. what's something that feels illegal that's legal, right? Like, <laughs> let me give you a chocolate bar for that. <laughs> okay. Um, I know, and so you've been talking, you know, the ups and downs, but I, I just want to make sure there was one point where you did take talk about uh, taking an L. I just want to make sure we didn't mm-hmm. forget so many that. Of them. I mean, all of that, all of that. I, I mean, everything... That that's the that's entrepreneurship, right? right like what right. they say, like if you're not trying to, if you can't handle getting punched in the face, don't do it, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you have to get punched in the face, get up, act like it never happened, and just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And um, and you you dodge as many as you can. Sometimes they graze, and you just gotta like keep going. Maybe you take a water break, something, chew on some ice, but you keep going in there. So like there's a daily basis of like things that fall through things that don't come to fruition things that like you go for and they don't work and they don't work right now and it's kind of a blessing that it didn't work and there's other things it's like damn mm-hmm. we should have calculated better on that one <laughs> like that's a that's a daily basis listen the first day that we opened up that damn shop right we got all of our permits we got all of our stuff together and we was gonna finally be open. It took us almost a year to open, and we lost that that six figure contract with um, with that retailer, uh, which was the 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 L of all L's, right? Mm. Um, we <laughs> we opened. We got all of our stuff together. We were opening up on Valentine's Day of 2018. I had new air conditioners put in and, and, and everything in the, in the shop because working with chocolate, you got to keep the area cool. I turned, it's getting real hot in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the kitchen. And I'm like, let me turn these AC on. Cause like I've been in here all night trying to make as much chocolate as possible for this opening. And I, you know, things are just not finished yet. They're not set up. And uh, I turned the AC on and I'm like, yo, it's getting even hotter in here. I have the chocolate in front of the AC. Now, they have a snowflake and a sun right next to each other. The difference between the heat and the air conditioner. Which one do you think I put on? The damn heat. I melted every single chocolate on our tray on the day that we opened. First of all, the fact that they had a sun and a snowflake, when I tell you digitally, 
it wasn't like it was a different color. It's just that like blue and you know what I'm saying. Like them just look exactly alike. Like it, it looks. Yeah, I'm exactly picturing a sun and a snowflake. They're very similar. Some bad like, design, very, bad design going on over there. Bad work. Mm. I melted every chocolate on the first day we opened, and um, so I mean it's a it's a a, a hilarious this other time. Uh, one of my uncles came to visit me. I'm in the middle of cleaning out the shop. I just filled up the machine with 25-pound bag of chocolate. He's trying to, you know, talk to me about different things I need help with in the shop. Um, then I get a call. It was like some Con Edison scam. And I got I got distracted. I come back to the machine after I realized they're trying to scam me. My cousin, My uncles walked away. I opened the chocolate machine, ain't no chocolate in it. He interrupted me when I was finished finishing up and I forgot to close the valve. 25 pounds of chocolate all on the floor oh. of the shop. Oh man, you are 25 pounds. 25 pounds. I don't even want to know how much like don't, don't. <laughs> she said don't, don't. she said don't. Don't. don't she said don't no don't. don't you don't you, you don't want to know <laughs> but just know it was heartbreaking mm -hmm. and just know that I was just sitting there on the floor looking at it and uh I think somebody came in the kitchen like Jess yo you all right like why are you laying on the floor I'm like look at the chocolate <laughs> just mm -hmm. look at it so you know there's been so many fun like now it's funny right like mm. and i remember then it's like yo one day this is going to be funny and i'm like i don't think so and now it's <laughs> hilarious right like now that's the fun like how could all those clusterfucks happen at one moment like right like mm. my uncle trying to walk me through everything in the whole damn store that need well you know what you need to take that tile over there and move it over there you think I want to hear this right now while I'm working? So I'm trying to be respectful and listen to him, but also like, man, I don't care about nothing. So me not caring about what he's talking about, I got distracted, never closed the valve, and then once I poured my chocolate in, and they was trying to scam me in the Con Ed scam, it was just like, it, but that's entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's yeah. it. Those are the things that's like no amount of planning no amount of like right. no amount of nothing can prepare you for it hell covid what yes yeah, so we didn't even get into that and i know we're, we're coming up on time so yeah. if you want to <laughs> jump into that because i mean it's very quick it's no very take quick. it go for it go you remember for how it. they had lied they lied and said that we was gonna be shut down for two weeks, two weeks. <laughs> we was up in that shop celebrating like two weeks off like oh we about to just go relax. Like, I mean, I don't think I understood the gravity of what was going on. And like, it seemed like that early March seemed like it was crazy. Like people were getting sick, but it wasn't, especially in New York. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't as bad at that moment mm -hmm. that we were just like, all right, things is going to shut down for two weeks. Girl, I need to sleep. Like I need to get my feet done. Like I just want to go and I want to lay down mm -hmm. and well, then when that two weeks came up and went by and then the world started getting bad and I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, we survived everything else, but this is the end of Harlem Chocolate Factory. Mm. <laughs> All right. So that's a wrap for part one of this week's episode. Jessica has more gems to drop, so stay tuned for part two coming soon. See you again soon. And in the meantime, Q.
keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.